When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's good, you guys? My name is Adam McRoberts, and this is the Do Big Things Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. We are here to help you with all your ultramarathon, supported FKT, or through hiking goals. We are currently based in Colorado, so that's where most of our work takes place. We can get you to the start, and we can get you to the finish as well. In September, we're going to be at the Sangre de Cristo Ultra Marathons. That is the third week in September. If you need us, we'd love to be of service. Look us up, big-things-crewing.com. So I have been researching how mentally strong people live their lives because, uh, frankly, I can use all the help I can get. Author John C. Maxwell has some great tips, and I'd like to share a few of them with you. Maybe you can snag some little nugget of truth out of this. Number one, don't waste time thinking about the past. Two, be able to emerge from trying circumstances with gratitude for the lessons learned. Number three, avoid giving away your emotional power. Four, hold on to your priorities and your calling. Five, avoid shying away from change. Six, avoid wasting energy on things you cannot control. Seven, avoid worrying about pleasing others. Eight, avoid the fear of taking calculated risks. Nine, be controlled by your dreams, not your emotions. And lastly, number 10, um, in my opinion, this is probably the most important of all for folks trying to get outside their comfort zone and trying to do big things, get comfortable being uncomfortable. My guest today, Michaela Osler, is no stranger to getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. She just beat the self-supported Colorado Trail record by approximately four days. The Colorado Trail is a 486-mile trail from Denver to Durango across the entire state of Colorado. Most of it is above 10,000 feet, and there is about 89,000 vertical feet gained and lost throughout the journey. It passes through eight mountain ranges, six national forests, and six wilderness areas. At the age of 26, Michaela is already a seasoned thru-hiker, and she just lit up the entire Colorado Trail in a mere mere 10 days, 12 hours, and 36 minutes. I absolutely love when someone like this comes along that, you know, quite honestly, I've never heard of, and just blows up a previous record. Not that it's about records. Um, I mean, I'd like to talk with anyone who's thru-hiked the Colorado Trail. I've always been inspired by this stuff, 
Michaela has hiked the PCT, the CDT, and the AT, which is definitely no small task. That's about 7,900 miles of hiking with a, a million vertical feet of gain and descent. Whoa. She was a really cool guest, and my partner and I really enjoyed chatting with her, so please give it up for Michaela Osler. Life is short. Do big things. Hello, Michaela. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. I'm just uh, here in sunny Boulder, Colorado, and uh, I'm here with my co-host, uh, Beth Chambers. Say hi. Hi, Michaela. Hi, Beth. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We can't wait to hear about this. So you just through hiked the Colorado Trail. You went from Denver to Durango, and you beat the FKT by four days. You did it in uh -huh. 10 days, 12 hours, and 36 minutes. Michaela, how did you do it? Um, I didn't sleep that much. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Did you, did you train yourself in sleep deprivation, or, or how, did that, how did that shake out? No, I've never tried it before. Um, yeah, I guess uh, it sort of, like, came to be... On the second day, I decided that if I, like, pushed really hard, I could get to Twin Lakes um, by Sunday evening, like, the fourth day, rather than in the morning of the fifth day. Um, and so then for the next, like, 100 miles of the trail or so, I just didn't really sleep that much. And then once I was like 170 miles in and had been doing the sleep deprivation thing, I was like, well, I might as well just finish this out. So when you went into this, were you planning on setting the FKT or was it just like, wait and see how you're feeling? And you said you didn't really decide until the second day, it sounded like. Um, no, I was definitely planning on breaking the FKT. Um, okay. So the original, the FKT, Olga King's FKT that I was going for was like 15 days and some change. Um, and I, I mean, I was like kind of planning to do the trail in 14 days anyways, just like yeah. that sort of where I thought I could like do it. You know, like, if I would have just gone, I would have done it in 14 days. And so then I was like, okay, well, I can get the FKT. Um, so then I was like, okay, well, what if I did 40 miles a day? So then I sort of made a plan to do it in 12 days. But then once I got on trail and I was, like, feeling kind of good um, and started realizing that I could sleep a lot less than I'd realized. Um, and then, yeah, I started pushing to see if I could do under 11 days. Wow. Wow. So there was a, a much publicized, uh, you know, a, attempt at the same time that you were out there. Courtney DeWalter was trying to do a supported attempt. Is that why you decided to go unsupported? Or did you know that she was going to be out there at the same time as you? Or how did that work out? I think I maybe had heard, I'm trying to think, I feel like a friend had been like, oh, I think Courtney DeWalter is going for the supported attempt. But no, I'd always wanted to do self-supported. Um, I'm like a, a through hiker more than a runner, I'd say. Um, and like, 
yeah, I think I've always been more attracted to the challenge of the self-supported or unsupported record. Um, like, I think that sort of suits my skill set a little more. So mm -hmm. now you've done a bunch of through hikes in the past, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Triple crown. I finished the triple crown last year. Okay. okay. So, I mean, if you don't mind, just like take us back and, and tell us about the formative years and, and growing up where you grew up and um, eventually, you know, how you came to discover through hiking in, in the Colorado trail. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, my parents met on top of a mountain. They were like both on a hike um, and like fell in love, had three kids. I'm one of them. Um, and so I grew up uh, hiking and backpacking and my dad had done the Appalachian trail when he was um, in college. He did it in 1981. Wow. Um, so I grew up with his stories um, and then also I had, I have this like very vivid memory of being a kid in like elementary school and my mom's friend's daughter was out on the Appalachian trail and we like did a road trip out to visit her. And I remember like hanging out with these stinky through hikers and being like, I think I'm going to do this one day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so fast forward in my life, um, I got two years into college and was really feeling, um, just like super directionless, like really disconnected from myself. Um, and I decided to take a year long leave of absence. Okay. Um, and in that, during that leave of absence, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. Ah, so that was the first one. That was the first one. Um, and that was really special for me. I've like never considered myself an athlete before that. I mean, I like did sports in high school and I was always really bad. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> yeah I guess like it's good to know that you can like bloom later in life <laughs> yeah cool and so what I mean you kind of mentioned what prompted you to go do the PCT but did you do it by yourself and how long did it take um I started alone I and I always had my own gear I hiked with other people for a lot of it um mm -hmm. like a couple different friends who I made along the way um and it took me four and a half months Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so what made you decide to go out and do it by yourself? I mean, that seems like a big undertaking, you know, no offense intended, but especially for a woman, um, you know, you could have done it with, with friends or, you know, other people to keep you safe or to keep you company. Were you just at a time in your life where you wanted to be alone or what was that like? Um, I think uh, I've asked myself this question often, but I think I really, um, like what I needed at that time in my life was to prove to myself that I was capable of taking on a challenge like that and overcoming it on my own. Um, I think I was like in college and feeling like I was facing all of these challenges that like seemed insurmountable and like completely out of my control and like going out and doing something like a long trail where it was like a challenge that I could control and overcome was, um, yeah, I think the thing that I needed. And I, I mean, I also think that like, yeah, this question of independence is like um, one that I haven't totally like put my foot down on where I stand about it, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, I because I like really value it and I'm like, where has that come from for me? And I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I think you're so brave because I think it would be hard or I don't know how comfortable I would feel on my own at nighttime and just going four months as a woman. I think mm -hmm. Did you ever get worried or scared or were you just pushing past that fear? Yeah, or did you ever have any incidences where you wish you had someone with you? Uh, I had some weird hitchhiking experiences. Really? Um, okay. I mean, I just like... <laughs> Yeah, here. Well, I think there are twice when I've been hitchhiking, I've been picked up by people who like, actually three times, I get in the car and then you like realize that they're intoxicated. Oh, um, okay. And that's like, one time they were like, oh, you can drive. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I really need this ride. So I'm going to just drive. Um, another, and then other times I've like asked to get out of the car. Um, some of those happened when I was with other people, but that's also happened when I've been alone and that's been pretty weird for me. Um, I think, I'm trying to think about like other, I mean, I definitely like think a lot about being a woman alone. I think about it when I like am choosing my campsites, when I'm hitching, when I'm going into town, like if people like invite me back to their houses or whatever, you know? Um, and I think, I don't know. There's like scary parts to it. There are also parts to it that feel really empowering and feel like really it's exciting to do that. And to like overcome those challenges on my own. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's so great. Have you had any encounters with wildlife that really freaked you out? <laughs> okay. Here's a <laughs> story. Um, all right. So I, so my second trail was the Continental Divide Trail. Um, I did that in 2018. I started um, in the middle of July all by myself and southbound on the Continental Divide Trail. Like, I don't know, I probably met a little over a dozen other hikers, like the whole three months, three and a half months I was on trail. Um, <laughs> That's a, a solo project. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so that was pretty lonely and my first week you go through Glacier National Park and you have to camp at these established campsites so you're like camping with other people but then you go into the Bob Marshall Wilderness which I like don't have the stats on this but I'm pretty sure it has like one of the highest like concentrations of grizzly bears in the entire U.S. Um, and I was there alone. I like, didn't see anyone for three days. Um, like no, not even day hikers. Um, and I was really getting in my own head about it. Um, like really, and I, I mean, I think this is like interesting cause I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm more scared of camping alone because I'm a woman maybe, but it's like grizzly bears. I don't think really care about your gender. <laughs> um, and they were my main thing that I was afraid of. Um, so anyways, um, here's some color for you. So I had met this woman on the PCT who like told me that she swore by like peeing right, right outside your tent to like scare away the animals with your, like, really? you're like marking your territory. Um, and so I did that and I was like laying in my tent trying to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, like right next to my face, I heard breathing. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is the end. I had like my little bear spray in the dark. I was going to like cut myself out with my like one inch Swiss army knife so I could get out of my tent. Um, and I turn on my headlamp and there is just like a deer there. Um, and I guess they're pretty salt deprived up in that part of the country and will like eat your urine. 
Okay, okay. Just looking for something. <laughs> I just had to like lay there. Like I tried to scare it away and it kept coming back. So I just like laid there and just like tell like I decided that me and that deer were making a deal. Like it was gonna protect me for the night if I just like let it. <laughs> nice. Uh, wow. And um so the PCT was first and then the CDT was after that? Mm-hmm. That was twenty eighteen. 2018 and then you did the Appalachian Trail as well was that 2019? 2019 uh-huh. So it's just like one year after the other huh? Uh 2017 actually I didn't do anything I like had an internship. Okay. okay okay so I mean what's prompting all of this I mean it seems like sort of an obsession I mean it, it seems like like a beautiful escape from society and something that I really admire and, and you know I've always you know, had an affinity for, for through hikers and I've always thought about doing it myself, but I mean, three in a row, that's huge. I mean, would you trying to do the triple crown? Was that the big goal or like, um, what was going on in your head? Well, it sort of was a snowballing situation. Okay. Um, I, yeah, after the PCT, I think, um, and then I took the summer of 2017 off and I, um, after that, I was graduating from college, so I kind of, like, had some time, um, and I felt like, okay, I really, you know, I, I had, like, some regrets from the PCT around, like, hiking alone or, like, hiking with other people, and I wanted to, um, yeah, see if I could do it differently on the CBT, see if I could, like, um, do my own thing a little more, um, and so I went out and did that, and then once I'd done the CBT and the PCT, I actually, so I'd always intended to do the Appalachian Trail. Like when I took a leave of absence from school, I was did it intending to do the Appalachian Trail. And then like two weeks beforehand, PCT instead. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the same thing with the CDT. It was like more like a couple months beforehand, but I was like, mm, I think I'm going to do like the AT. I don't know. It just didn't appeal to me. It felt like there would be a ton of people and the terrain would be kind of boring and stuff like that um so then I but I wanted to do this thing that my dad had done like that felt really special to me mm -hmm. um and so finally you know I did it as the third one back when I like had no other option but to do the AT and at that point I definitely was like I want to do a triple crown you know like I'm one trail away from it um I mean it's and it turned goal. out to be awesome oh sorry sure. no no I, it's such a huge goal and and I get it. It's like you're at a time in your life and you got a little bit of time to play with. So go out and get it done while you can. And I, I admire that. I think it's great. Well, and you've mastered yeah. drops also. I think that seems like such a tough thing to do is figure out where you're going to pick everything up and along the way, how long does that take to plan? Um, I actually um, am very lucky and my dad is like, and his wife are just awesome support people they've both so he's through hikes you know in 1981 she has done the pct in three really long sections and so they're um they're sort of have been willing to um get a text that says i need a, a box with these exact things to this place in a week <laughs> um and so sort of like run around and assemble that and get that ready so i kind of plan out usually I plan out the first couple hundred miles and then I just sort of um 
do it free form from there. Whoa. That's perfect. That's, that's great. Where do they live? Yeah, they live in Vermont. Okay, so it's uh, sort of centrally located, right? I mean, it probably wouldn't have been as easy for them to rush out and help you on the PCT, right? Well, I mean, a flat rate box, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen now, but back in the day before the Postal Service was, you know, in crisis, you could get a flat rate box anywhere in two days. Oh, so they would ship it to you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they would ship it. Nice. Okay. Well, they, I mean, they did, I guess on the AT, they would come meet me every once in a while, but mostly they were shipping things. Okay, cool. How did your, like, what did your dad say and how did he feel once you finally finished uh, the AT? Oh, he was really happy. He actually came out to Katahdin and summited with me. Nice. I bet you that yeah. was just a, a special moment for you and for him. Yeah, it was really, so um, he didn't have a camera, but there's like, I don't know, maybe like six photos that he has from the AT. Mm -hmm. And all along the trail, I'd been recreating the photos that he took. Oh, and man. so that's cool. He got to, yeah, I can, it's on my Instagram. I can like send them to you if you want. Right. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he was, he got to like be in the photo that we recreated for the summit photo on Katahdin. And that was like, so did you do like, for both of us? Was there like a side photo of his original photo in your recreation? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I put them side by side. That's such a cool idea. I bet you love that. Yeah, I, it was really special for me, too, because I was trying to, like, figure out a way to honor the fact that he had done this journey and that yeah. I'd, like, grown up hearing about it. And so. Wow. Well, that's a really cool way to do it. I like that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Out of all of your hikes, I mean, it sounds like that one was really special because your dad, which do you feel was your maybe your favorite or most memorable um, of your through hikes? Oh, it's hard to have favorites. <laughs> yeah, they're also different, really. Yeah, each one is special for its own reason. Um, I think the PCT was like, you know, like my first love, you know, like, I don't know if any trail is quite as magical as your first trail. Um, the CDT was just like, super rugged and super challenging, but like, really beautiful and really remote. And then the AT... Yeah, I was like, I felt like I was connecting with my dad. And then I also like met my current partner on the AT. We fell in love. So that was sort of that pretty special cool. for me too. Cool. So it's yeah. clearly the terrain. It's just like um, the little moments and what time you were at in your life, I'm guessing, is as far as what makes each one special, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So cool. Um, and then, I mean, it seems like the Colorado Trail is, is just a breeze compared to those, right? I mean, you just go <laughs> out in 10 days. Um, I, I think if I would have done the Colorado Trail in 14 days, maybe it would have been a breeze. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of suffering in the 10-day version. Do you feel that you've recovered? Or do you still need some time? Um, yeah, I actually did like a 15 mile like run slash hike yesterday and felt nice. pretty good. Nice. That was my first time really getting out. Um, my toes are kind of, I had some really nasty blisters and my feet are still kind of like weird. 
<laughs> definitely got a couple of toenails coming off, but you know, when don't you have toenails coming off? Uh, for sure. Yeah, that's just the feather in our cat. Uh, we're both into runners. And yeah. Like, you know, interested in the, in the through hike thing, but I totally get it. So I'm curious. Um, you consider yourself more of a hiker than a runner. Do you wear uh, hiking boots or trail running shoes, or what do you wear? Oh, definitely trail running shoes. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and I mean, I do run. Like I've done a couple of ultras. <laughs> um, I saw that. I just am kind of like, I guess I'm transitioning maybe to that phase in my life. <laughs> um, transitioning to, to running. Yeah, or I guess I don't know. I it's so. Like, I thought I was never going to thru-hike again after I did the AT, and then I came out here and did the Colorado Trail, so who knows what my future holds. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm generally, like, throughout the year uh, training for a race or trying to be in, like, ultra-running shape. Um, so, yeah, but I wear um, – mostly I've been in Hoka's since midway through the CDT. Um, and for some reason on the Colorado Trail, like – I know that, like, I know that I need shoes that are, like, a size or a size and a half too big. Like, I've always just, like, gotten the men's, for, like, men's eight and a half or men's nine instead of women's. Mm. Um, and for some reason on the Colorado Trail, I just did a half size too big and, like, had an awful time. <laughs> I saw some pictures of some really gnarly blisters. And it yeah. Kind of, kind of popped up for you early on in, in this FAT like the first couple of days, right? Yeah, day one, um, uh, my feet were just kind of shredded and then it was just sort of trying to manage that. And also like, I didn't really think, well, cause I didn't really totally plan to sleep as little as I did. Um, I didn't think about like, I would had shoes on like 20 to 22 hours a day. So I, my feet didn't have time cause my blister care strategy is basically like to let them air out for eight hours while I sleep, you know? Right, right. And that was like not an option. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have planned a lot better for that or maybe next time, you know. What would you have done differently? I, um, oh, you know what I would have done differently is like done a couple days on trail before starting, like with my, those shoes and that gear. Cause I'd run in them. Yeah. But I hadn't really hiked in them for like all day. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think a shakedown like immediately before starting yeah. might be the strategy for that. Yeah. Okay. And so as a fast packer, most I know most of you guys, like I said, I don't have a ton of experience with this, but I know most of you guys travel as light as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. People like cutting off the handles of their toothbrush to shake to shave down like a quarter of an ounce and just taking you know every little strategy they can to lighten up their load do you have any secrets and how heavy is your pack um my base weight is somewhere between five and a half to six pounds base weight is everything except food and water um okay. so like all of the gear you're consistently carrying okay. um do i have any strategies i think that i um I mean, I think my main strategy, like the lightest items are the ones that you don't carry is my general philosophy. So like my strategy is to just leave a lot of stuff behind mm. um, okay. and to have the bare minimum of items. And then, you know, you want to think about like the things in your pack that are 
going to be extra heavy, like your sleeping bag and your bivy in your shelter system and get those as light as possible. Um, something that worked well for me on this trip was that I was just carrying like a 40 degree quilt, which was like a little bit too cold for or like not quite warm enough if I was going to like sleep through the coldest part of the night, but I ended up hiking through the coldest part of the night most nights and then sleeping at the beginning of the night and the end of the night when it was warmest. Um, so that's, I don't know why you would do that if you weren't going for a record, <laughs> but it is an option that's available. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not sure if I caught all that. So you're hiking through the coldest part of the night. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. If you're like the, you okay. know, um, the very middle of the night and then sleeping. Sometimes I slept twice. Sometimes I would just sleep once, but right at the beginning when the sun goes down and then right at the end when the sun is coming up. Okay. Okay. So on average, how much were you sleeping a night? I'm sure it was different every night. Yeah. I actually just did this out in a spreadsheet. It was 3.6 hours was my average. average. Wow. Okay. So were you setting a, an alarm to wake yourself up or um, were you mentally just charged enough to wake up and just keep moving? Um, I definitely set an alarm. Um, there were actually a couple times though where I like accident, like I went, went to snooze and turned it off and I actually like woke up like full panic, you know, like 10 <laughs> or 15 minutes later. So. <laughs> Wow. So you were planning on just sleeping a few hours here and there and then just getting up and move fast, right? Um, I really went back and forth between doing like a couple hours of sleep, like more than once during the day or getting like four hours of good sleep mm-hmm. um, in one chunk. Yeah. Yeah. So were you just kind of going on feel like I'm really tired now? I should lay down and crash out for a couple hours or was it planned? Um, I think I would kind of like wake up and look at where I was and be like, okay, if I can get here by 9 PM, I'll take a two hour nap. Um, and then I I just, I went back and forth. Like sometimes it would be like nine or 10 at night. And I would just be like, you know what, I'm going to sleep for four hours now because I I want to, (laughs) um, or like the sleep deprivation definitely started to like mess with my brain. Like I left, I forgot my sleeping pad somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> and that was a moment that was one of those like wake up moments for me where I was like, Oh, like you are actually putting yourself in danger. Right. So like after that, I like took a good five hour sleep. <laughs> and so what are you carrying in your pack? You're trying to keep it at a minimum. So I'm guessing you have a puffy jacket, a blanket, a sleeping pad. Um, what else? Yeah. So I have my puffy, um, my sleeping pad, which was just like, an eighth of an inch of closed cell phone. Like it was, it was just to like add a tiny bit of insulation. It did not any comfort really. Um, a bivy and a tarp. Um, and yeah, I had a peanut butter jar and a spork. That was my like cooking setup. I would put ramen and water in there sometimes. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, like my, you know, and some small things, my external battery, my inReach. um, uh repair kit and like some pieces of kt tape for my blisters okay that's pretty pretty light yeah do you have any little guilty pleasure that you put in there that just it's your one thing that you have to have that uh i'd say i have two luxury items one is a pair of like fleece socks that i wear when i sleep 
Those are like three and a half ounces. Um, And the other one is like, I hate brushing my teeth with like half a toothbrush. Like you just get toothpaste all over your hands. Um, (laughs) So I get those, you can buy them in gas stations. They're the kind of toothbrush where you like, the handle is also like a toothbrush holder. Oh yeah, yeah, I've had those. Um, yeah, they come in some fun colors, <laughs> um, and that yeah, my full handled toothbrush is I I would not backpack without it. <laughs> so the toothbrush and your socks—that's your your guilty pleasures. That doesn't socks. sound like tons of. <laughs> socks is a must. I think. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I honestly am not sure. I I just really like I have this whole kit that worked really well for the type of through hiking I was doing like on the AT but um I feel like I've learned about I I might leave them behind if I were going for another FKT because I feel like I was sleeping so little and I was like certain to be sleeping during times when I would be warm Mm -hmm. um that like I'm not totally sure that I needed them And so are you getting your water mainly from streams? You're just dipping and filtering water as you go? Uh, yeah, I um, don't always filter. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I mean, when, once you get up above tree line, I don't do a lot of filtering either. It was, um, do you have like a rule of thumb that you follow or what did that look like? Um, I would think about like, where are the cows? Is the source running? Is it clean? Are there floaties? Do I see algae? Stuff like that. Um, and then I had chlorine tablets for when I was um, less confident. Like there's a whole section of the Colorado trail where you're kind of on these dirt roads and you're just hiking through cow pastures. Yeah. Did a lot of treating in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't really been filtering since I was midway through the CDT. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm guessing that looks different on every hike, right? I mean, were you filtering more on the AT? Yeah. Well, Honestly, no. I feel like I thought that that trail would have really nasty water sources because yeah. it's so like so many people. But there, especially at the beginning, like in April, um, like I was just like there. There were these like springs coming out of the side of the hill, like right next to the trail, that were like mm-hmm. the most beautiful water sources I've ever seen, and they were like three miles apart. So I didn't even have to carry that much water, and I just. Yeah, I got like two days in on that trail and I was like, this trail, like, especially compared to the the New Mexico section of the CDT, which was the most recent hiking I'd been doing before that. It was just like a magical water wonderland. Wow. That's the best water too. It just feels like it's like blessed from the heavens or something. I love just water. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And so you've done a few ultras. So, um, when did you start your ultra career and how does that coincide with through hiking? Um, well, I think people, when I was, I think, I guess, I don't know. I've done big miles when I've been through hiking since the PCT. Um, and when I was on the AT, I met a couple of ultra runners who started being like, you should, you should think about doing this. Um, including the guy who became my current partner who has been running ultras for several years. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and so when we got off the trail and we came to Albuquerque, which is where we live now, um, I started training with him, um, and signed up for a 50 miler, um, like a couple months after the AT. Mm. Cause I'd actually, well, I'd done a couple of 50 mile days on the AT. Like I did the state of Connecticut in a day and then I did, 
there's this like challenge you can do in the white mountains called the hut traverse okay um where you go to all the appalachian mountain clubs and it's like 53 miles and some ridiculous amount of elevation gain that that was honestly before the Colorado trail that was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life <laughs> you're supposed to do it in less than 24 hours and we came in like 23 30 or something like that <laughs> um, like I cried the whole last hour so <laughs> that's <awesome>. um <laughs> crying is allowed in ultra running and in- <laughs> yeah yeah I've done a lot of crying <laughs> so anyways I signed up for this 50 and just wanted to see if I could do it and then that turned out to be really fun and I kept doing it okay and you did a 100 mile event as well right um I did across the years which is a 24-hour event and I um did 101 miles at it okay perfect so you've got a little bit of experience you got your feet wet (laughs) yeah yeah I've dipped I've, I've waited a little bit that's cool that's so cool and then, okay, so back to the through hiking. Um, what are you using for nutrition? Oh my gosh! Well, it's all going to change because it sucked on the Colorado Trail. Okay. <laughs> I had this thing worked out where I ate a bunch of Cliff Bars and like Ritz crackers and like a couple of nut butter packets every day, and that was working really well for me on the Appalachian Trail, and like a bunch of Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then on the Colorado trail. Like I thought that that would work still. Um, and I just had like real, well, so first I like had, I don't know, like something happened to my tongue. I thought it was like an allergic reaction or something. Um, and it was like really bumpy and it was really itchy whenever I ate, ate anything sweet or salty. And like all of my foods were sweet or salty except for plain tortillas. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, had an awful time eating for a couple of days and then after that still I just was like oh god these foods like I don't want to eat another coconut cliff bar um so I I'm gonna do some rethinking um my parents are really into keto and have like been making the case for being fat adapted yep. and so that's uh, I see where they're coming from I've watched the YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so stay tuned for what my diet's going to be. Okay, yeah. It, it, well, it's not always a pull, easy to pull the trigger on uh, a diet like that because that um, yeah. that is sometimes socially awkward as well. You know, when you go out to eat with friends, it can be a little can be a little weird. But what's yeah. your di- what's your diet like when like in your training leading up to a, an event like this? Um, gee, maybe I should have been more intentional about that. I just kind of tried to eat as much as possible, (laughs) (laughs) especially like the week leading up to it. I was kind of like, okay, I'll try to like get a store of calories going here. Um, you know, I'm like vegetarian and I eat, um, mostly like say lean towards like whole foods. I eat a lot of like vegetables and rice and coconut milk and smoothies. Um, but I wouldn't say I have like a cohesive diet strategy. Well, it sounds like you eat pretty clean. I mean, that's something yeah. I wondered about and thought about. Like I eat pretty clean most of the time during the week. But if I was doing a big event like you, it would almost be like all hands on deck. I need the sugar and the caffeine and anything powering through. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that how you were looking at it? It sounds like well, you- I- 
tried to do a caffeine taper like before. Okay. And then, but then once I was on the trail, yeah, I mean, I think I kind of tend to think that like, unless you're doing something like, you know, keto um, or like trying to be fat adapted, like I tend to think of all calories as equal once you're on trail. Yeah. Like I ate a lot of like honey buns. I had, um, I got some carnation breakfast essentials in a hiker box in Monarch Pass. And I was doing these like smoothies. Like I would put like crackers and cookies and water and a carnation breakfast essential and like drink it. Um, like I just, yeah, I think whatever you can get down the hatch. Okay. And like, oh, I wish I packed more caffeine. I was constantly craving caffeine. Like, mm. What, so, like, what kind of caffeine were you doing out there? Like, um, just, like, uh, the little coffee packets you can just slip in a water bottle, or what were you using? Uh, Crystal Light with caffeine. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you have good luck with it? I love, I mean, that's, like, that. Like the first couple times that I have one of those, I, I feel, like, good. <laughs> like, because like usually in my life, I just drink caffeinated tea, and I did a caffeine taper right before this, so I was, like... 120 milligrams of caffeine like straight to your blood system is like oh man a good feeling and oh, then you get like a, you know you get um what do you call that um you know you develop a tolerance pretty quickly but <laughs> yeah, yeah I like that I like the um I feel like I read a study once when I was I looked into the science of caffeine and exercise one time and it was looking like caffeine pills and like powdered like caffeine like you've got in um crystal light are slightly more effective than coffee oh, okay uh, okay cool that's but good to know. mental note all of these yeah i can try to find that study for you but i you know i, I also like look at the methods on these and you know like they'll like have a you know a group that's like only men that they're studying or something like that so mm -hmm. i don't know if these are universal results for sure. Yeah, the crystal light would be really refreshing too. It was probably a good drink to have as opposed to coffee. Yeah, I try to do um, caffeinated crystal light and uncaffeinated crystal light and just like other flavor things um, in my water pretty frequently just to get myself to drink more. Uh, Got yeah. it. Okay. No, that's a, a good um, method to employ before a big event is to do the caffeine taper. I always do the same mm -hmm. thing before, like an ultra. I'll, I'll stop drinking caffeine like one to three weeks before the race so that during the race, I can, you know, 70 miles into a hundred miler, I can have a little soda or something. And it just, it's like rocket fuel. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious, did you read that somewhere or did you just come up with that on your own? The caffeine taper? Yeah. Or is that kind oh. of. Weird? I have no idea. Um, it's possible my partner was talking about it. Okay. Okay. Um, and I must, I feel like, no, I feel like I must have read other people's. I was reading before I did the 24 hour event. Um, I was reading a lot of blogs from people who did 24 hour events. Mm -hmm. And so I might've read about it there. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, um, I saw you had some nosebleeds. Uh, oh my God. I'm curious, was that from the Colorado wildfires or what was going on there? Like I saw a couple pictures and it looked like someone had hit in the face a couple times. It looked pretty nasty. <laughs> oh, they were so nasty. Um, <laughs> no, so I don't think the 
those wildfires were quite burning yet, actually. Okay. Or I wasn't noticing that it was smoky. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, I think Courtney DeWalter, I think, got the same question about, because she had, like, acute bronchitis. And I was, like, coughing by the end of my hike, too. And I, like, yeah, I don't, I think that those fires actually started or started really gaining speed a little bit after I finished, actually. Okay, gotcha. So what do you think the nosebleeds were from? I think a combination of altitude and dry air. Okay. I was really pretty dried out. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah they definitely look pretty nasty. You had some, <laughs> some good pictures there. You might want to frame a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. Send them to my mom. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> Sorry, mom. Yeah. That's so, I mean, if you don't mind, just kind of walk us through like what each day looked like. Like, I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds like you were averaging right around 40 miles a day. Um, how did it go? Probably closer to like 43-ish per day. Okay. Um, so here was my plan strategy. Or like once I got a couple days in, this was like the rhythm that I kept trying to get into, which didn't totally work, which would be to like um, – wake up at like 5am start moving and like I could basically see by then without a headlamp um move until like 9 or 10 probably 10 um try to get like 38 miles in during that time sleep for two hours and then wake up again and by then by like 11 30 or midnight um the moon would be up and I had a full moon like a couple days in so then I had like a pretty big moon for most of the time I was out there nice. um which was really it was so special like I was up above tree line like I had my headlamp on the very lowest setting just so I wouldn't trip and then I just like it was me in the night with the moonlight um and like for someone who'd like been afraid of the dark like I didn't even know if I was going to be able to night hike on these on the trail like it was really really special for me to do the night part and the plan was to try to get about seven miles during the night and then sleep again from like three to five um that I don't think I ever actually executed oh and then the other part of that plan was that if it ever if I got an afternoon thunder shower I would just move that first sleep and sleep through the thunder shower and then wake up once it was done and hike through the night but that was like, that's like the platonic ideal of a day on trail. Like none of the days work like that, but that was the general idea. <laughs> it's good to have a plan, but like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the face, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I got punched in the face like day two and just kept getting punched in the face for like nine more days. <laughs> you got to adapt out there. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of adapting. For sure. Yeah. So you're sleeping in little bits here and there, um, and uh, but you're hiking some of the nighttime. So, but you said you're like afraid of the dark a little bit too. So how did you get over that fear, face that fear, or I mean, did you have some scary moments? Or once you were out there, did that fear kind of go away? Yeah, I think um, I was mostly worried about the first couple nights because um, I figured if I could do it like once or twice, I would probably get over being afraid. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I didn't really like I, 
I think that like I get the like panic reaction when I see eyeballs in the night, even though usually they're like deer or cows. Um, and the first couple nights, like I just didn't see any animals while I was hiking. Um, and I started to realize like how special it is. I just thought a lot about how few people like get to experience like that trail and those landscapes at night. Um, because it's like totally different. Um, and really peaceful and really, yeah, just super special. And so, and then I just got so tired. I like, <laughs> I feel like there was a point where I like heard something behind me and I was like, if that is a mountain lion, like put me out of my misery. <laughs> like, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> um, but it was not a mountain lion. So. <laughs> so the nighttime was, you know, like peaceful, special. I mean, you're hiking by moonlight. It sounds like um some sort of a romantic like Jack Kerouac novel or something it, it sounds like something you would remember from the rest of your life um was that kind of your experience or um like yeah I think there was also like a lot of inner monologue because I was scared of tripping and like was scared to run because I like still had that in my head as a thing that would make a mountain lion kill me um so I just was like moving really slowly. And so there was a lot of like being frustrated with how slowly I was moving and a lot of like, oh, this sucks. Like my feet hurt and my hips hurt and my knees hurt. Um, so like, I feel like this whole hike, I think there were these like really beautiful, like, yeah, romantic things about it. And then there was also like the fact that my body, I was like suffering a lot. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you decide to hike from... Denver to Durango. I know that you can go either way. Was there a reason that you went that direction? Um, so my stepsister got married um, like a little less than a week before I started. And so I had to be in Pennsylvania for that. Um, so I knew like even if I could get up to Denver a couple days before, which turned out to not even be possible, like I just knew I would kind of be coming from sea level. And so I wanted a little bit of wiggle room oh, to yeah. get acclimated. Okay. Yeah, yeah that good sense. idea. Makes sense. Did you see Courtney DeWalter out there at all? Yeah, we um, crossed paths. I was like night hiking like normal. And I kind of like got a little feral in the night, you know, because like when would I ever see anyone? And someone had told me she'd be out there, but I kind of, I had just taken like a four hour nap and I kind of figured she'd pass me. Okay. Um, and so I'm just hiking along and all of a sudden I look up and there are like so many lights. <laughs> like <laughs> I like shouted. I was like so surprised because it was like her headlamp. And then I think her pacer had like a headlamp and like a, one of those waist belts. Yep. <laughs> so okay. I was like, Oh, whoa, people. Um, <laughs> and yeah they turned out they were super sweet actually it was really fun to get to talk to them we like chatted for a little bit they gave me a honey stinger and nice. um okay <laughs> yeah she was I had I was just like laughing at her because <laughs> I had lost my sleeping pad and told her that um and I had taken my pants off because it was like kind of getting warm it was close to dawn and she was like do you have pants <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do have pants. Uh, honest question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, thanks for your concern. Oh, God. <laughs> nice for the ask, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so cool. 
Um, and so what was the finish like for you? I mean, was it just a big celebration? <laughs> was it a big cry fest? Like, what was that like? Oh, I cried so much. I probably cried for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was, so part of the reason I was pushing so hard was because my partner was able to come pick me up on Sunday night. Um, and so he was there waiting for me. Um, and I, like the last, I did the last 75 miles with basically just like really quick cat naps. And even like the 50 miles before that, I had like only slept two hours. So I just was like all of my emotional reserves, like all the places in my brain where I go to try to like push myself were just like pretty much gone. Um, And I like, I probably wasn't eating right. You know, like I just was like trying to get to the finish and like didn't really have anything left. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like the last 10 miles are all downhill and I had planned to like run them. And like, I started, I probably ran like the first four miles or so. And like my quad started, I can't even, like, I don't even know if they were actually like really painful or if just like the mental and emotional place where I was, like I couldn't get through any pain. Sure. Um, and so then I just had to do this like really sad walk <laughs> the rest of the way. And I like wandered out of the forest, like, oh, and I lost, I had a bag of ibuprofen and I lost it somewhere. So I like couldn't even, um, there, and then there was this hiker who had like a, sprained ankle and I gave her without realizing it my last ibuprofen (laughs) Um, and so I was like regretting that and like just sort of this like sad sad walk Um, and then I finished and I was really I was like ecstatic but I was also just like that was so hard like that was like all I could think was like that was so so hard really okay so I mean it must have been a pretty proud moment like the times in my life when I've done, you know, some of the hardest stuff that I've done. Yeah. I just remember sitting down in a chair and in, yeah, thinking the exact same thing. Like that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I can't believe my body can do that. Is that what was going through your head? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just like thinking back to where I'd been when I started and I wasn't even sure I could do it in 12 days. And then I took a day and a half off of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, I felt really, really proud of myself and really like, um, for a couple of days, really, I just was like, I can do anything. Like, I have yeah. no doubts in my ability to achieve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that runner's high lasts for days after something like that. Yeah, especially because I was just like laying on the couch, like sleeping it off, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. like, I really kind of felt like I was still in it in a sense. For sure. Oh, you earned as much couch time as, as you can <laughs> as you can manage. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just an incredible effort. So sorry, just going back just a little bit. So like when you were, I don't know, like 24 hours away and it, you were staring down an FKT, did you know you had it in the bag 100% or, you know, were you still thinking that accidents could pop up, that things could happen or, or what was going through your mind at that point? Well, I mean, at that point, I could have, like, taken three days off and still had an FKT. Right. <laughs> um, so I definitely knew I had it, I, but I, like, kind of needed to get there before, like, 9 or 10 p.m. so my partner could, like, get home yeah. <laughs> for work <laughs> the next day. <laughs> so that I was, like, less certain I had that. I actually, okay, 24 hours away from the finish, I was feeling really good. I had just done, like, 
um, at 8 p.m. Um, the day before I finished, I had just done like 25 miles from Molis to like 25 miles south of Molis in like seven hours, which was good moving for me at that point, you know? And so I was like, um, feeling really strong. And then the sun went down and I just, I think that's when things kind of fell apart for me. The wheels came off the bus. Sure. Sure. I mean, was that your lowest point or like, what did the lowest points look like for you out there? That was pretty low for me. I think the other low point, um, well, I had a couple low points. I think um, right after Twin Lakes, so day five, like the night that I got to Twin Lakes, like the night of day four, I took off my socks and I looked at my blisters and they were like getting really red and pussy. And I had this moment of reckoning where I was like, if these, you know, like if this infection gets much worse, like you need to get off of the trail. Like mm -hmm. it's not worth losing your foot. <laughs> um, and so day five, the morning, I was just like, you know, kind of gnawing on like, how am I going to deal with this? Like how much time am I going to lose keeping my feet clean? Um, stuff like that. And I started to be like, what, like, what are you even doing out here? <laughs> like, why have you decided to do this? I got in kind of a bad mental state. And then I got to this river and took a break. And this woman who was hiking the other direction, um, like gave me wool to like wrap around my toes, which is not something I'd ever used for blisters before, but it worked really well. And just like that one moment of kindness really, I think like got me through the rest of that day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, cool. So she was, yeah, like, oh, that was really special. That's cool. That, that's what I was going to ask is how you were taking care of your feet. So before the wool, were you just like popping blisters and, and taping them up or what were you doing? Yeah, basically. Um, when I'm through hiking, like when I'm not doing an FAT, what I try to do is get to a like hotel or hostel take a shower and make sure everything's clean. And then I'll like use a needle and thread and put a piece of thread through them. And that like wicks out all the moisture. Um, but, um, but you stitch yourself up. Huh? Well, no, it's like not really stitching yourself up. Cause it's like dead, you know, the top of the blister is like dead skin. So you just like okay. go through it with the thread. <laughs> um, I, people are always like, wow, it's like you're doing surgery on yourself. And it's like, no, it's just, it's, well, it's not that big of a deal. It probably sounds a little more badass than it really is, but <laughs> yeah, I think it does. Uh, you should embellish that story and just you know keep <laughs> you're stitching yourself up. <laughs> no, it's really like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've like done like you know. It's like I don't need to embellish that one. Like that can just be what it is. Because um, I had other blisters where I was just like. I got these like weird blood blisters on my heels and I was just like digging around in there with my Swiss army knife, like trying to get through all the callus to pop them. Wow. <laughs> so like that felt like surgery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, I couldn't do the threading thing. Like I, I, well, in hindsight, they got infected anyways, so I might as well have, but I was scared that the threads would like wick bacteria in. Okay. Um, so then I just kind of cut them open and I put a Band-Aid and I use KT tape um, to tape them because yep. I think it sticks best. It sticks well. Yep, for sure. Um, but yeah, after that, I was um, 
keeping my socks really clean and then using the wool and just um, trying to keep my feet really clean too. Yeah. So how often were you changing socks out there? I mean, obviously you only have one pair of shoes and taking care of your, your feet is, um, you know, tantamount to this whole thing coming together. So are you changing socks every time your feet get wet? Are you trying really hard to keep your feet dry or how did that all go for you? You know, the Colorado Trail is this magical, well-maintained trail where every, all but one stream crossing, I had a bridge. Oh, okay, nice. So it was, yeah, about. it was pretty, pretty cushy. So your feet were pretty dry the whole time. My feet were super dry the whole time. I guess that's another reason why I was like, oh, maybe I wouldn't need the fleece socks in the future because my feet were, like, I could sleep in my hiking socks except that they were dirty. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was probably trying to change them about once a day. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. Um, were there any boring parts of the trail out there? Like, you know, we've heard that there's big sections where it's just like cow pastures and it's not as pretty as some of the other sections. Um, I mean, you know, I haven't had experience on the entire trail like you have. I mean, how much of it is beautiful mountain landscapes and how much of it is just like, eh, I could probably do without this. There are a couple sections that I can think of that are kind of boring, but they were also pretty runnable. Okay. So you could kind of rip that bandaid off pretty quick. Good. So you're just taking advantage of those sections. Oh, I think I lost you real quick. Oh, so so you were just taking advantage of those sections um, and, and just running them to the best of your ability, right? Yeah. The, like, earlier in the trail, I was feeling pretty bad and couldn't really run that much. But I would say once I got past halfway and closer to, like, 300 miles, like, I started being able to run on the flats and the downhills. Okay. Got it. So is, was that kind of the rule of thumb, run the flats and the downhills and, and hike the uphills, or was it was there more hiking involved overall? I think there was more hiking involved. I was really trying to listen to my body, um, and there were times when I would, like, run a downhill and then, like, feel so bad after it that I would, like, walk really slowly on the uphill afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I just tried to feel out like how I could move most efficiently. And sometimes that was running the flats and downhills. And sometimes that was just like walking really fast on all the different terrain. Well, I mean, just an incredible effort. Like I'm so impressed with, you know, with all through hikers, but what you did was, was pretty amazing. So yeah, hats off to you. Like super impressed. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm curious, like, do you have any other hobbies? Like, what else do you do in your life? Um, I mean, I'm a writer. <laughs> I, I'm doing a master's in fine arts and creative writing. Um, cool. So I think my hobby is, like, being in grad school. <laughs> You're busy. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I garden, you know? What kind of writing do you like to do? You... I write nonfiction, actually. I write a lot of memoir about hiking. Did yeah. you say fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Okay, so yeah, so this is this gonna be a book one day? Um, I don't know if this is gonna be a book, but I've definitely been like kind of gnawing on it and thinking about um various essays that I'd like to write about this. I definitely think that this um I have sort of some like recurring questions that I come to about through hiking and this sort of like advanced those questions in my mind several light years. So yeah. 
Um, do you have any favorite authors? Like, who are you into reading? Um, oh my gosh, this question's... <laughs> um, I think, like, hiking-related books, my favorite is On Trails by Robert Moore. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a collection of essays, and I think he does a really great job of sort of bringing up what's complicated about trails, what's really magical about them. Got it. Okay. Do you read fiction or not really? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I just like, I panic when people ask for my favorite authors because I think it's like with the trails where I'm like, oh, I like all books equally. <laughs> um, do you have any favorite fiction authors or am I putting you on the spot by asking that? Let's see. Um, off the top of my head, you know, a great fiction book that I read recently was, well, the whole... Um, fifth season or shattering earth trilogy by nk jemison i listened to on audiobook um not while i was on the um ct but a little bit on the appalachian trail and on the continental divide trail um they're sci-fi slash fantasy books she won the hugo award for two of them i think they're really good so were you listening to music or audiobooks while you were out there yeah (laughs) and i would sing (laughs) i sang along um that was really like I would just try to sing really loud and like forget about my body for a little while (laughs) anything to make the miles go by right (laughs) yeah yeah and then I listened to um well I'd already listened to to parts of it but the pursuit of endurance by Jennifer Farr Davis um which is a book all about FKTs um I re-listened to some sections of that to get stoked and then also to parts of thirst by um Heather Anderson um who's like my hero in so many ways that's good motivation out there uh-huh oh, that's so cool um what's next for you i mean i know you're still resting up but are you making plans for the next big adventure um i haven't like put my mind on a trail i'm still like uh that sucked a lot <laughs> um i'm not totally ready to commit to another fkt yet but i think um I mean, something that I have been thinking a lot about is, like, I, I feel a little weird about having, like, a women's FKT. Like, part of me is, like, I feel like if I would have trained more and, you know, like, I feel like the things that made me slower than the men's FKT were not, like, sex or gender related. They were, like, not training and, like, silly dallying in the morning and stuff. And so um, I think that whatever I go for next, I'm probably going to be going through an overall FKT rather than just the women's FKT. Nice. So I like that you're already thinking uh, FKT. Like you're not thinking about you know another through hike. Go out and take my time. You're you're looking at uh, some speed records. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. I am. I mean, you've got the experience. I mean, you've got the fitness. Even if you wait till next year, uh, it sounds like you're right on track for that. So. It was just really, really cool talking to you and hearing your experience. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, one last question. Do you use trekking poles? Oh, a big question. Um, I used one trekking pole, um, which I think is like the worst of all worlds. (laughs) (laughs) I used one trekking pole on the the Appalachian Trail for a while and then no trekking poles. And, like, I love the simplicity of no trekking poles. I think it's, like, 
very aesthetically appealing to me. <laughs> but I kind of wish that I, well, there were times when I really wished I had two trekking poles while I was on the CT. There were times when I was super happy to have none and or like I would have been happier with none. And like, cause I had that trekking pole stowed most of the time once I got through the first couple of days. Um, so you had trekking poles with you and you just weren't using them? I had one trekking pole and just didn't use it. Cause it kind of like one trekking pole messes up your rhythm a lot. Like I don't, it's like, not, there's no advantage. For sure, for sure. I mean, no, I'm more of a hands-on knees, just grunted out type of dude when I'm out in the mountains. But, you know, I, I've just noticed that people who are really killing it out there and setting these FKTs are usually uh, carrying trekking poles. So that's why I had to ask. I actually like really want to go out and do a time trial. Ah, yep. Okay. I can't, I want like, I want the science, like I want the data. <laughs> I want to know if it's better or yes, not. Me too. Well, let me know what you find out when you figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> like, I'm still trying to figure out how, you know, how you eat, you know, you use your hands. Like, how do you reach in your pack and grab your food if you have two trekking poles? And, you know, I guess this is probably elementary school stuff for most through hikers and, and FKT record holders, but I have yet to figure that one out. So that's why I had to ask. Yeah, on the CDT and the PCT, I had trekking poles and I would just like, like dangle them from my wrists. <laughs> um, but a lot of people made fun of me for that. So I don't know if there's like a proper way. Okay. okay. Cool. Well, listen, thank you so much for chatting with us. I really appreciate your time. And I just love hearing all the little details of, uh, of this stuff. So um, is there, do you have like a website where, uh, we can find your writing. Do you have a blog or a website or anything to shout out? Um, well, my Instagram is where a lot of stuff is hosted right now. I'm actually like working on a pretty detailed trip report that I might be putting up on a blog, but I think my Instagram where I'm at Michaela Offler, okay. um, is the place to find me on the internet right now. Perfect. That works. Um, I know this was pretty much a solo effort. Do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody else that helped you out along the way? Yeah, I really do. Um, well, I want to shout out my partner, Troy Allen, who lets like answer the phone and listen to me cry every <laughs> single day. Um, I think also both my parents, my mom and dad for like not freaking out and for being really supportive. Um, and then I think there were several people I met along the way who were really kind to me, um, including Olga King, the previous record holder, wow. like stepped over me while I was sleeping in the trail one morning, wow. like totally by chance. Um, and then the last shout out, um, I was hiking on Ute Cheyenne and Pueblo land. Um, and I want to just acknowledge that those are the ancestral homelands of those tribes. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Michaela, you're awesome. You're a badass. I yeah, just, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, we love hearing your story. So, <laughs> Thanks. It was really fun to oh, talk. Sure. And, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next for you. So stay strong and keep doing big things. Thank awesome. you. We'll talk soon. Bye, Michaela. Bye-bye. All right. Let me know what you guys thought. Michaela Osler. Uh, just a beast. 26-year-old. Uh, just a beast on the trails. Just unbelievable, really inspiring stuff. 
Really enjoyed talking with her. If you guys dug this podcast, do me a favor. Hit like, hit subscribe, leave us a review, share it on social media. Whatever you guys can do to support this podcast is uh, very, very much appreciated. And it'll keep us going. That's about all I got for you guys this week. Stay tuned. I got some more great guests coming up. Uh, Looking forward to the future. Life is short. Do big things, baby.